Hello, welcome to another episode of The Daily. This is Janice. We're nearing the end of this week. For some of you, the weekend may mean some respite from juggling weekday responsibilities, right? While for the rest of you, it may mean a slightly fuller plate. And I don't mean a meal plate. But whichever it is, I hope you are looking forward to a life-giving weekend. At least a change of rhythm will be good. Now, I'm not a designer, but I appreciate good designs from time to time. Whether it's interior, graphic, furniture, architect, architectural concepts, etc. I did have one family member who was a photographer and another who does architecture. I think that kind of plays a part in my inclination. But don't think of me as a connoisseur of design because that's definitely not it. I would rather describe myself as a highly inquisitive amateur who, who just likes to analyze things not related to her expertise or profession, especially when it piques her interest to the annoyance of some people. Maybe I'm not the only one. If you're like that, hey, we can have a virtual kappa sometime. Recently, I came across some articles showcasing some company logo designers who made brilliant decisions about the use of white space, which made their otherwise okay-only kind of logos turn into wow-looking logos. Some beautiful use of silhouette lines, some, some funny, some very clever. I was so taken in, I kept scrolling through logo by logo. It was ingenious to look at how they used the space. Now, white space, you may or may not already know, right? It's also called negative space. It's basically the space around the elements of a design which usually looks unused, but when used intentionally, it changes the whole design. Maybe it's a small curve here or a change of saturation in color or omitting a tiny bit here and there. The good use of empty space, if you think about it, it, it gives meaning. It adds value to use space, which led me to thinking about what empty means to us when it comes to the interior space in our hearts. When we look at 1 Kings 17, scripture tells us that Elijah, who had been drinking fresh water from this Wadi Kerith in 1 Kings 17 verse 3, now faced a dried up brook in verse 7. Now, a wadi is a kind of stream that flows during rainy seasons, but it dries up when the weather gets hot, like a seasonal brook kind of thing. So Elijah is faced with an empty stream. What used to give him sustenance, this stream that was his steady and reliable source of provision, which in fact God himself made available to him, it's now no longer steady, no longer reliable. Will I be able to get water, God? What now? Right Now this dwindling brook for Elijah, it kind of provides a glimpse of our lives. Emptiness makes us uneasy, uncomfortable. We need to plan ahead, know what's next, get refill, buy spare, not good to run out, right? But so often our empty spaces can lead us into greater awareness and deeper contemplation of our inner life. I notice in this stay-home period, many people are cleaning house, picking up their workout routines, reconnecting with old friends or old hobby. All those things you never got around to doing, basically. Baking with the kids, which I admire because, uh, you know, I painfully try, but it fails. Going for leisurely walks with members of a household. I mean, now who else can you go with, right? Or finally finishing that book you've always wanted to finish. For the most part, that's fantastic, right? 
so good. So many options to choose from. Now we've got freed up time, you've got webinars here and there, ebooks, musicals, concerts, all sorts of things to watch. Many of them are good, even free of charge. That's the dangerous part. I myself have been enjoying a bit more consistency uh, in working out, power napping, eating fruits, uh, reading a little bit more, sneaking moments to stand back and look at the plants in between doing things and actually water them. <laughs> what strikes me though is this. While we fill up empty time slots with avenues for engaging our energy, our attention, our need to be productive, actually many of us have places of emptiness. Maybe we don't know we have them. Or we know, but we are not attending to them or we're not dealing with them. The question I thought I would ask today, while we're taking opportunity to tend to our home space, our schedule space, our social virtual space, are we being just as, if not more, attentive to our inner space? Now, don't get me wrong, please. No matter how your daily schedules are like, I'm sure many are valid and gainful things. I'm just having us ponder a little while, do we feel full on the inside? Are there maybe places of emptiness that feels like that dwindling brook that we would do well to attend to? The problem with physical isolation or distancing actually is that we're not necessarily less distracted. Have you thought about that? When Elijah was in the wilderness, stripped down to having nothing to distract him, his basic needs became very apparent, right? And his secondary needs, not so important. But in our state of being distant, if we're not careful, this gift of isolation becomes a playground for the enemy rather than something life-giving if we don't respond to God's invitation to confront our emptiness and in return meet with Him and invite Him to fill us in those places. Jack Hayford wrote, Though I may become increasingly mature as a son in God's purpose, I never will get past being a child in my need of Him. We will never stop needing Him, right? Those places of emptiness in our interior are places of encounter, of renewed dependence, reminders for humble devotion. Jesus Himself teaches us, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Isn't it the unfulfilled places or dissatisfactions of life, actually, that lead us to be more established in our spiritual walk? F.B. Meyer puts it rather profoundly. I love this quote. He says, The education of our faith is incomplete if we have yet to learn that God's providence works through loss, that there is a ministry to us through failure and the fading of things, and that He gives the gift of emptiness. I think contemplative prayer helps us to recognize our emptiness. If you think about it, before the burning bush, Moses was having a good life. He had you know, a good wife, he had, he, he had family, marriage, and he had good work. But God called out to that place where he had yet to experience fullness of his life purpose. And so he responded to God's calling out of that empty place. Ruth while loyal and faithful to her mother-in-law, recognized her empty places and responded in submission to Naomi, 
which led her to marry Boaz. Contemplative prayer helps us recognize our emptiness and helps us to know we're not alone. It's possible to experience fullness in many aspects of our lives while still feeling places of emptiness within. Now, this is not a case of backslidden or sunken faith. It's how we're meant to be on this pathway of transformation of the self towards Christ-likeness, of which none of us can say, I've arrived, while we're here. It's not whether you have some emptiness or not. It is where you are experiencing emptiness. And these, although they change with seasons, it's where the emptiness is and how we respond out of that. Like the white space thing I mentioned, practicing God's presence through contemplation is a means of grace by which the empty places in our hearts help give meaning to the fullness we do experience. If today you recognize a sense of emptiness, know that you're not alone and we're journeying together. All of us need people who can just be present, allow us to acknowledge our emptiness and journey with us. Let me share this poem by Jay Denson Smith and then we'll spend a moment to examine our hearts. Yet, lo, at length, the prospect strangely altered. The drought, even cherished fountain, had assailed. Slowly but sure, the flowing waters faltered, until at last they failed. Then came the word from one whose eye beholding, saw that the stream, the living stream, had dried, sending him forth to find by new unfolding none of his needs denied. Perhaps you too have camped by such sweet waters and quenched with joy your weary, parched soul's thirst to find, as time goes on, your streamlet alters from what it was at first. Hearts that have cheered or soothed or blessed or strengthened Loves that have lavished unreservedly. Joys, treasured joys have passed as time has lengthened into obscurity. If then, O soul, the brook your heart has cherished does fail you now, no more your thirst assuage. If its once glad, refreshing streams have perished, let him your heart engage. He will not fail, nor mock, nor disappoint you. His comfort and care change not with the years. With oil of joy, he surely will anoint you and wipe away your tears. In Christian spirituality, something that has always helped me in contemplation is this concept of consolation and desolation. Basically, imagine with me two movements all right, in your heart. Consolation is that which draws you closer to God, where you feel an up in faith or in joy, um, an experience that causes you to feel at peace, for example, or connected, you feel your, your best self or fully alive. That's consolation. Then desolation is that which pulls you away from God. That's where you feel a down in faith or in love, all these virtues of God, basically, 
experiences that cause you to feel drained, maybe, or irritated, rejected, not your best self, fragmented. These are all examples. In consolation, you feel drawn into God's presence. You feel close to God. In desolation, you feel a resistance of God, of His presence. You feel far away from God. It's with these two movements that the prayer of examine is usually done. They can be adapted, for instance, during a week when, say, I'm praying about a particular theme, strong faith. I can frame the contemplation like this. At which point today did I feel strong faith the most? And at which point today did I feel like I had least faith? Or if your devotion is focused on the topic of rejoicing, let's say, then something like, which moment today was I most joyful? And which moment was I least joyful? It's really good for centering yourself, whether it's midday or evening. It helps you to lean into what God is saying and doing throughout the day or the week and deepens our spiritual life. So for the next few moments, we'll do a simple contemplative practice together. Quiet down your heart and focus on this. What situation or event this week caused a movement of consolation in your heart? Conversely, what situation or event caused desolation in your heart? Now, if there is a place of emptiness in you that you can identify, imagine you're holding a cup in your hands. And that cup is like that empty place. What is it? What is that empty place? Ask God to fill it even now. God of fullness, you who have called us to abundant life, you who teach us that the kingdom belongs to those who are poor in spirit, would you help us attend to spaces within us that are lacking, our dwindling brooks? Tutor our hearts to be open to your invitation to meet with us in those places, to respond to your call and to allow you to fill us. May our encounters with you out of our empty give meaning to the fullness we do have and vice versa. May your living water flow in us and through us so that we can be at rest whether it's in empty or in plenty. At rest because you are there in the empty, you are also there in the plenty. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
out. Thanks so much for tuning into the daily. May you have good God moments throughout today. Grace and peace. Hey, thanks so much for tuning into the daily podcast. We will have fresh new episodes out for you every weekday. If you like what you're hearing and want to check us out, uh, you can look us up on our website, www.thecity.sg, or check us out on our various social media platforms. We'll see you at the next episode. Peace.